This episode is brought to you by Tovito, the Jewish video streaming app that parents call a lifesaver. With Tovito, I'm confident that when I give my kids video time, I'm giving them content that aligns with my family's values in a safe space. Whether it's because you're traveling with your kids, they're home from school while you're trying to get ready for Passover, or you just want to reward them with movie night, Tovito is there for you. And now you can claim 15% off the annual subscription using the code JMM at checkout. That's only $84.99 a year to access videos you approve of and that kids love. My kids rave about Tobito, and hey, I do too. Go check it out at Tobito.com. That's T-O-V-E-E-D-O.com. And use the code JMM at checkout to get 15% off your Tobito subscription. Now, just in time for Passover, when the kids will be home or you'll be traveling, download Tobito for kosher entertainment that will keep the family happy. Claim 15% off with the code JMM at Tobito.com. Jewish Money Matters, episode 315, Unconventional Lessons in Public Speaking. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters, the podcast where Jewish wisdom and spirituality meet your money and your business. Money is a means to serve God in this world with joy, to build a life that leaves an imprint way beyond our time in this world. I want you to discover the secrets to Jewish wealth, to gain practical and spiritual tools to break free from the shackles of financial worry to design the joyful, rich life that your soul desires. Welcome to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, and I'm so glad you're here. You're listening to Jewish Money Matters. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Welcome back to the show. So you've heard me talk about these social media posts that I've been sharing recently with some of my best tips when it comes to public speaking. And I'd mentioned that I would share them here on the podcast with you. So, and, and the truth is that the more I think about this, these are more than just tips. There really are lessons that I've learned from experience. They're not the stuff that they teach you in a book on crafting your best speech or your best TED talk. And come to think about it, they're kind of unconventional. They're unconventional lessons. So here we go. I have six of them. Six unconventional lessons in public speaking from years of being on the stage. The first one is establish standing. Very, very important, powerful lesson. Again, learned from experience. So let me explain. As a public speaker, one of the most important things that can get overlooked by both you and your host is how important it is to establish standing. Standing helps answer the subconscious question in your audience's mind, why should I be interested in listening to you right now? So standing or establishing your standing is not about bragging or boosting your ego. Rather, establishing standing is a way to help your audience. It puts them at ease. It gets them closer to a place of, ah, yes, I should totally listen to you. I should totally listen to her, right? Psychologically, they will be more primed to tune into the powerful and important message that you are there to deliver if they know why they should be listening to you. So it's not about you. It's about your audience subconsciously they need it you should establish it and you should not depend on others to establish standing for you which is what we often do mistakenly over the years I've learned that some hosts are not always great at introducing you and even if you've given them a bio that you specifically want them to use that you've carefully crafted they often say whatever they want and it can get worse and that is when they veer into the almost 
overly friendly or cutesy stuff of how they know you and they say say things that sound really warm and friendly but in reality they do a very poor job of establishing standing for you and again it's not because it affects you per se it's not about your ego boost it's because it affects the audience unconsciously they want to hear why they need to hear you speak right why why should they be there right so it's all about their experience and this you know the kind of introduction that is like oh someone called me once about this woman and she sounded so amazing and then this happened and that happened that just doesn't cut it like it might bring them it might bring warm fuzzy feelings between you and the host but it does nothing for the audience other than feel excluded and confused about why they are there. Why should they be even listening? And you are there for them. You're not there for yourself. So of course, it goes without saying that if your content and your delivery are not good, there's no standing in the world that can help, right? But I'm just pointing out the importance of establishing standing and being prepared to do that for yourself in case your host does a poor job of it for whatever reason. So this is very important. And you have to be prepared to weave it into your presentation somehow. Um, you know, and, and I'm not saying like opening a speech with a, kind of like a resume or one of these like let me tell you about yourself type of introduction that's not a great way to open and it's not going to grab anyone's attention but you still have to have a plan as to how you will weave standing into your remarks and ideally pretty early on so obviously after having made a great opening that already grabbed them but you can you know that you can learn on your own Uh, I'm talking about something that's kind of unconventional that you're not going to find really in a book so yes ideally standing will be established by whoever introduces you, but very often they miss the mark. So just be ready to establish standing somehow early on without being totally boring, of course. So um, that's number one. Then number two is ditch the notes. And I know there's a lot of controversy around this one. I was asking on social media and some people are like, no, I need my notes or no, I just have them there, but I don't really um, look at them. So listen, Ted changed the landscape of public speaking forever and for good, in my opinion. I'm I'm actually really grateful. And I learned years ago from my friend and colleague, Rabbi Daniel Lappin, to ditch those notes. Uh, He was here on the podcast uh, a while back, I would say maybe maybe even a year back. Um, But he talks about this in one of his books. And so from him, I actually got this insight. And, and it's like this, like, even if you're someone who delivers well with notes, meaning you connect with your audience well, and you don't seem glued to the paper, etc. I still recommend you push yourself to get rid of those notes. It's for at least for me, I know that it's one of the best things I've done as a speaker. And when I put this out there on social media, so many people admit it to, again, taking that how much this like took them to another level. So if you've never challenged yourself to completely memorize your speech, and not sound robotic, right? Because that's the trick, but actually sound natural. I really challenge you and encourage you to do so. There is really no better experience um, than speaking without notes, especially for the audience. It's not, not only is it a much, much elevated experience for you, but it is for the audience as well. The energy that you bring in is just different and it's, it's higher. Now, does that mean that you don't prepare or that you show up only with an idea of what you'll say? Absolutely not. 
not for a keynote, maybe that works for like an informal gathering, or maybe as you know, something we call in the, in the Hasidic community, like a Fabrengen, or even an interview, right? You just have a kind of a general idea of what you're going to say, but not for a, a keynote. In fact, it's just the opposite. You prepare even more. You rehearse and you rehearse and then you rehearse some more. You push yourself to the point that you've mastered your message so much that it's organic. It's part of you, allowing you to be fully present for the crowd and naturally working the crowd and at the same time able to manage the distractions or the curveballs that might come up while you're staying on message and present with your audience. So it's about knowing what you're saying so well that you can say it while managing the distractions or the inter- interruptions, which requires a tremendous amount of practice. Don't underestimate that. And knowing what you're saying so well that you can be totally present for your audience, again, requires a tremendous amount of practice, but it's totally worth it. It delivers a far more elevated experience for you and more importantly for your audience. So again, going back to what we said in point number one, we're here for them. Now, point number three or unconventional lesson number three is everyone wants you to succeed. This is one of the most important perspectives you can have. And I'm so grateful to the person who taught it to me years ago. And sadly, I can't even remember her name. I had a meeting with a speech coach, I think. Um, I think she was a coach on public speaking. And I had a meeting with her and she taught me this lesson. And it was like mind blowing for me because it really puts every it puts it all into perspective. Everyone in that audience wants you to succeed. Everyone. Like, really, I mean it. Nobody sits at a speaking engagement thinking, oh, I hope this person is terribly boring and I hope all their jokes fall flat. No one. No one does that. They want you to succeed because that means they're going to have a great experience, right? Your success up there is me. me your success up there means that they're going to have a great experience. So believe me, they are really cheering for you. Okay. So that's a really good one. Now, uh, number four, pretty much related to this unconventional lesson. Number four is have fun. If you're not having fun up there, no one else will, right? You have to be having fun. In fact, when I go on stage, I say to myself two things right before I'm going up on stage. I say, God, this one's for you. Put, please put the right words in my mouth. Let's do this. And then I say, okay, Yael, now go have fun, right? N- now you've prepared, you've left it up to God, but you have to now go deliver and enjoy the experience, have fun. Like if you're not having fun up there, no one else will. The audience feels your energy. So again, you've prepared, you know the message that you want to deliver and exactly how to deliver it. Now it's a matter of having fun. Okay, then the next point, point number five or lesson number five is you're not responsible for the audience's inspiration. And I know this is counterintuitive because it's like, what do you mean? What do you mean? I'm not responsible for the audience's inspiration. I'm up there precisely to inspire them, aren't I? And I know what you're thinking, right? I know, I know why you're thinking that because I also had a hard time with this one too. And recently I was in this, this situation where I was, it was leading up to an event and I was having some of my fears coming up about this and I was sharing my, my, what was going on in my head with my friend Hannah Mason, who's been here on the show several times. And she said, that's totally getting in their business. You have zero control about someone else's level of inspiration. And it's so true. It like hit me. I was like, oh, you're so right, right? Like how inspired each person will be is totally none of your business. You can control the quality of your message, the quality of your delivery, the energy you bring into the room, etc. But you can't control their level of inspiration. 
So stop thinking about their inspiration and instead think about your level of inspiration. How inspired, how passionate, how real, how relatable am I about this topic? That is the best use of your energy and focus. You be inspired by your message. You might inspire some, you might not inspire all. That's beyond your control. Go do what you can and prepare so well that you are inspired and give over the rest to God, okay? And then the last one, I know everybody kind of knows this, so it's not the most unconventional, but it still needs to be said, and that is connect with your audience. That's lesson number six, connect with your audience. Remember, but I guess the way I'm gonna explain it to you is a little unconventional. It's not that I just want you to connect with your audience because that makes you a great speaker, but I want you to think of something else. I want you to remember that in life, people want to feel seen. It's, it's, it's a need that people have. And obviously, the size of the crowd will dictate how you establish that connection and how you make people feel seen. But whether it's through your, bo- it's through your body language or verbal language or both, you want them to feel that you're there, not just talking to them, but having an experience with them. That makes sense, right? So if we go back to all these six unconventional lessons, you'll see there's a thread here where it's all about them and so much more about them than it is about you, right? Okay, so that's it for my six unconventional lessons in public speaking. And I'm curious, are you going to be trying public speaking in the future? And I also want to know if you found these helpful or if you have any further questions, let me know. Let me know. And maybe you want me to talk about the money behind public speaking. Huh? Maybe I can do that too. Ask away. You know where to find me. Email me, Yael at Yael Trush or DM me on Instagram at Yael Trush. See you soon. <laughs>